Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 31 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear on this podcast, I ask that you please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Dana, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Dana Johnson earned a Bachelor of Science degree in civil engineering and a Master's in engineering management from Valparaiso. Getting out of college, she spent time at consulting companies doing design work and currently works at GE Power and is involved with sales. Dana is also heavily involved with the Society of Women Engineers and is co-founder of Innovation Instincts. Welcome to the show, Dana. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Sure. Uh, In particular, right now, I am in GE's Accelerated Leadership Program, which gives everybody, not just engineers, an opportunity to become a global executive by working on different rotations and learning all sorts of different information. But on the personal side, I live in the Chicagoland area, and I am here with my wonderful dog, my husband, and two young sons that make life very interesting for me. Yeah, two young sons, dog, and a husband, (laughs) (laughs) and a working life that's very, very busy and involved with SWE. Yeah, I don't think you have much spare time. I make the best of the time I do have. So let's dig in here, Dana. You have a civil engineering degree, and then after about seven years or so in the industry, you went back and earned a master's in engineering management. Could you provide some career opportunities for this type of background and why you went back for your master's? When I got out of school, I really liked what I was doing and a lot of wastewater treatment plant design. I spent almost a year in the field. And when I say in the field, I mean watching the construction of a wastewater treatment plant And I really enjoyed that, but there was something missing. You know, I was getting more involved in SWE. I was learning about leadership and experiencing different opportunities in leadership. And I really just wanted to deal with people more. So I figured that something like a Master of Engineering Management, which is a little bit like an MBA with an engineering spin, would be a good mix of what I wanted to do and what I already had some skills in and potentially would lead me to some interesting career opportunity. I knew that I wanted to stay at least with one foot in the technical side. You know, there's something about being an engineer where you have the opportunity to learn so much. And I think that, at least for me personally, I didn't want to give that up. So I was trying to figure out what the right combination of skills and excitement was for me. And I found a bunch of different opportunities, but one that really hit home for me was what we call a commercial manager at GE. And that's a little bit of like a project manager for our proposal process. And I can talk a little bit more later on about what that actually means, but it was a lot more interaction with people. I had to make people agree on stuff, which is an engineering art form all its own. It's problem solving like like you can't even imagine. There's so many variables that that change at a moment's notice, and and those are people, right? You can't understand and control people the way you can, let's say, the diameter of a pipe or the roughness coefficient of a slope that water's flowing down. Completely different problems that I had to solve, but still incredibly interesting and incredibly fun. Other jobs that you could do with this, you know, you could do something actually in technical sales, You could be, we've got like an application engineer role, which is a lot more, you're preparing a solution, but you're still working with the customer. And that's 
something some engineers don't like, but a lot of people find really exciting. Yeah, Dan, I think you kind of hit on it. There's with these STEM careers, it, it's it, there's so many different opportunities out in the field, and for those of you, you know, going off to college, and those for those of you that are graduating college, heading off into your careers, the the varied opportunities out there, it, it's so vast that you you don't know what you're going to be doing 10, 15, 20 years from now. So keep your options open. And like Dana did, she decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to go back and get a master's in engineering management because that's going to help my skill set and develop what I need to develop for the career that I want to develop for myself. So thanks for that great overview, Dana. Absolutely. So let's dig in now. And what is your specific area of expertise? Well, that's kind of interesting. I, I talked a little bit about being a civil engineer, but I was not a proposal manager for anything related to civil engineering, really. I was a proposal manager for electrical substations. And there's similarities, but there's some very vast differences between the industries. So I had to learn what a substation was. And I have these memories of sitting down with an application engineer early on and saying, all right, well, a water system would do this. Is it like this or is it more like that? You know, is it like a pressure boosting station or is it like a valve vault? The way that substations work, you're either changing the voltage. Let's say you're taking high voltage and bringing it down so that you can use it in your home or you're taking incoming lines and splitting it so that you can actually get that electricity in your neighborhood or where you work. There's very similar, strong similarities between that and how a water system works. So I, I was able to make that connection, but it took some time to, like I said, learning as an engineer is something that gets me excited. And it took some time to get those dots connected for me to be able to move forward with that. So you're working on power substations with a civil engineering degree coming in from a wastewater background, wastewater treatment background. So you have to involve the field apps engineer uh, that understands these these systems so that you can help manage these projects going forward. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's a lot of problem solving and working with people. And part of problem solving for me was, all right, who knows something who knows more about this topic than I do? Let me go talk to them and become more of an expert on it. I've gotten to the point where I would say I'm fairly fluent in electri electrical engineering lingo. I'm probably only a couple of questions deep on it still. You can't start asking me questions about reactive power and stuff like that. That is even for electrical engineers can be a challenge, but I've gotten there. But the fun part of all of this, you know, that's just what I was working with. As I mentioned, I was in sales and still am, but in a different aspect. But the fun part of all of this was working with the customer. Every customer, like every person, is different. Sometimes they want something that we can offer. Sometimes they want something that they don't even know what the solution looks like yet. We have to say they need power at 66 kV coming out of the substation. How are we going to achieve that based on the lines that they have coming into the substation. You know, sometimes they know exactly what they want and it's just a matter of, you know, here's the equipment that we're going to give you and here's how we're going to install it. Understanding those customers and their the way that they present what they want and take the information that you give them back, you know, we we give them proposals. That's how they understand what we're going to offer and if they want to hire us to do the work. I'm not sure if everybody understands how people actually win work. It's it's usually bid. So a customer or client will put out a, a request for proposal. 
And then, you know, people like GE or whoever, our competitors, will put together a proposal and give it back to the customer. And hopefully at the end of the day, they say, oh, GE, we like your proposal. We're going to hire you. It's that whole middle step of understanding what the customer wants and giving them evidence that we can actually provide what they want that I was responsible for. And what do you find is most important in those in the proposals? Is it is it business relationships? Is it just the the lowest price? Is it the technical capabilities? What what do you see out there? Everybody's different. Just like every person's different, every customer's different. Some people just want the lowest cost. Some people care a lot about safety, so they want to evaluate what you've given them and see if what you're doing is going to be a safe alternative to what they had in mind. Some people care about those relationships. You know, sometimes there's a client that you know has a really strong relationship with a, a competitor of yours, and it's going to be really hard to break into that market. So, Dana, there's no such thing as a typical day. We both know that. But if you could describe kind of what goes on from day to day uh, for STEM Nation, that would be awesome. Sure. Part of the reason I became an engineer is because there's no typical day. I couldn't imagine going into the office and doing the same thing over and over and over. I think for me personally, that would be maddening. There's people that love the consistency. I'm not one of them. But if we're looking at dealing with something like a commercial team, a sales team, you know, there's days where you could potentially be out on a site walk, going to see where the customer wants to build a substation or whatever the product is. But more likely, your days are probably, I would say, you know, my days would start with making sure nobody has emailed me in the crazy off hours with something absurd as far as a request goes. Once you get all that out of the way, usually I would have some calls with, let's say, a, a commercial team. Let's say we've got a salesperson on the call. We've got our engineering team. We've got some project managers. And we're talking through the status of the proposal. Once we're done with that call, if they've got questions, I'll work with either the account manager or with the customer or myself to figure out how do we get those answered. Maybe after that meeting, I'll get some meeting minutes out. We'll get those questions answered. And then after that, you know, I might sit down with either our account manager or a sales manager and just go through any of the last minute questions that have come up. Ultimately, though, at the end of the day, we've got different approval calls that we have to go through. In the role I made, I would be responsible for leading those calls, for getting those questions answered for going back to the engineering team with any of those questions. So again, I mentioned it's about getting people to agree. And at the end of the day, these meetings are really to make sure everybody is in agreement with what we're proposing, with the solution we've come up with, and with the estimate that we've come up with. So it sounds like you're acting as a as a as an orchestrator where you're you're taking it from from time zero to final implementation. And, and getting everybody involved, giving it, getting everybody at the table, getting consensus, getting agreement, getting the proposals done. So you're bridging truly all of the engineering side and then what's probably most important, all the communication side that most STEMers have to go off and develop because a lot of the, the STEMers, they're kind of introverts. Is, <laughs> that's kind of a stereotype, but you have to think of that communication side uh, going through college. Absolutely. You need some strong communication skills. And, and again, not everybody needs to go this career path. But if you're thinking about engineering and you're saying to yourself, man, I'd really like to be an engineer, but I feel like I like to talk too much. Disclaimer, I was the person that got in trouble in class for talking, even in college. <laughs> got in trouble in college for talking in oh, class. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not even going to lie. 
Yeah. Dana, what's one thing that really has you fired up in the area of sales? Oh, man. In sales in particular, there's so much going on. I think tying into what I sell, as far as the power space goes, there's so much going on with power. You've seen the push away from fossil fuels, away from nuclear power, and people are moving to renewables. The problem with renewables has always been you get solar power during the day, but you need to use it at night. Or when it's windy is not necessarily when you need the most power. So there's a whole new space, newer, I will say, of renewable power coming in regarding batteries and battery storage. And I think that this in general is going to be a hot topic moving forward. I think that using our renewable resources is going to be so important to the state of the planet and the state of power generation in general. Okay. Could you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had? Tell us the story and how you turned that aha moment into success. Sure. I struggled a lot with what I wanted to be when I grow up. Honestly, there's days I still struggle with that. I'm not sure that I've got it completely figured out, but I've got probably a couple decades left of my career. I can figure it out at some point here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it out as well, so no worries there. I, I think a lot of people are, and that's okay. But at least going into college, you have to figure out something you need to major in, right? You can't just, I, let me rephrase that. If you're spending your parents' money, they would very much like you to declare a major. Yes, I agree. As a parent, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I, and now that I am one, I agree as well. So the problem was, what am I going to major in? And being somebody, I'm sure a number of the people in your audience have always been told, hey, you're good at math and science. You should be an engineer. That's great. I initially thought, well, I don't want to drive trains. I don't know what this engineering nonsense is. I probably could have used a podcast like this, you know, 15, 20 years ago to figure it out. Yeah. And I'll say when I was heading off, I I didn't really know what engineers did, but you know, it sounded interesting. Computers are coming out. I'm like, well, maybe I'll go figure out how those things work. And that's (laughs) how I decided. I, I had a little different scenario than that. In one of my advanced chemistry classes in high school, we took a field trip to a local chemical plant. And I'm like, going into it, I told myself, I need to be aware of what everybody's doing and keep my eyes out for something that looks interesting. We started the tour and, you know, they're making polymers and all this other stuff. And I just could not get into it. But one of the last stops we took was to their, their sewage treatment, their wastewater treatment. And it was, you know, an operator that was talking to the system and how it worked. And I just thought it was so interesting. It was my aha moment of when I go to college, I'm going to get either like a civil engineering or an environmental engineering degree so I can do something like this. And that that was my aha moment. I told one of my mom's friends who worked as an engineer as well, you know, I want to, I figured it out. I want to be an environmental engineer. And he said, oh, all you girls just want to be environmental engineers so that you can save the bunnies. I said, no, I want to do wastewater treatment. And that shut him up pretty quick. And it was unfortunately the first time I was going to deal with the, oh, girl engineer stereotype situation. But thankfully, I had a quick comeback for him. So are you saying you don't care about bunnies? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) You know, I had two rabbits growing up. They're great pets. They're cute. They're fluffy. I love their little white tails. That's not why I went into it, though. Yeah. So Sub Nation, you know, listen to what Dana's saying there. She she took some trips in, in high school 
taking a look and go out there and take these trips and see what's out there and then listen to what your brain is saying. Hey, wow, this looks really exciting. And then dig into that and go investigate that and see if that's something you really want to do. But if you're just sitting at home playing games, um, not getting out there and it's like, well, I'm good in math and science, so I'm just going to go for engineering, but not really understanding what's all out there, um, you're going to be at a disadvantage. So, so take advantage of those field trips that are offered in the high school, high school world. I, I will qualify that story with my husband was in the latter situation and used that as motivation to get a software. Actually, he was computer science, but essentially is a software engineer now. And when he did it, he thought he was going to be programming video games. He's not doing that. He's perfectly happy with his choice in careers. So it can work out if that's the, the path you want to go, but it's probably better to investigate your options. Yeah, and this is gonna this is gonna lead into the next question, right? So if you're just going off into engineering curriculum without a real goal, like Dan is like, hey, I want to go do wastewater treatment. So when you're drudging through the library, going to study again, if you don't have that goal set, like this is what I want to do, there's a good chance that you're not gonna study and do what you need to do, and you may drop out or fail out of it. So you need to get that end goal written down so that you actually succeed that goal. And you can sit there and study in the library when your friends are going off and partying. <laughs> a little known fact, engineers spend a lot more time doing homework and studying than, let's say, business majors. I agree with that. <laughs> so, Dana, let's go back a couple of years to when you were 18 heading off to college. What are some things that you wish you knew back then or even knew back then that would help our STEMers launch into college successfully? I only half jokingly say to pick a smart roommate. It took me two years of college to figure that out. Thankfully, it was a roommate that was the same major. We plowed through homework together. Whenever one of us had questions, the other one could answer it. Lifesaver. We had people in our room all the time like, hey, can you guys answer this question for us or help us figure this out? It makes you a little bit of a popular college dorm room for probably not the reason you want to be popular. <laughs> but at the end of the day, getting good grades, being smart, being able to get a good job out of college, probably kind of important, at least on your parents' goals for you. Yes, and I'll say that, you know, you, you talked about getting a smart roommate. And Jim Rohn, who, who's passed away recently, you know, he said, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So you got lucky and got, you know, a smart roommate. Absolutely. A couple other things. Make friends with the people your major. At least a couple of the friends or a couple of the people in your major become friends with. You're going to need to rely on them for moral support, for help when you get stuck. You're probably going to have to do some team projects. And if you can at least get along with them, it goes a long way. I'm very fortunate in the fact that a number of people in my college class I'm still very close with. And, you know, we built those lifelong friendships. And then another thing is if you can get any sort of leadership skill, not everybody needs leadership to progress their career. If you just want to be a technical person and be that go-to technical person forever, that's great. But at some point, you're probably going to have to lead something so if you can find something during your time in college, either an officer position for a group, obviously, if you couldn't infer, I got involved in SWE, but I was also involved in ASCE, American Society of Civil Engineers. And getting those leadership skills through an avenue like that can really help you talk to something like that in an interview. It can give you the confidence when you have to lead something the first time in the professional world. And it really goes a long way to build your confidence and your ability to succeed. 
All right. Thanks for that overview, Dana. And we're going to take a quick pause to thank Audible, who is offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com and get a free audiobook of your choosing. If you decide to cancel within 30 days, there's no cost and you keep that audiobook. And Dana, are you ready for the lightning round? I am pumped for the lightning round. All right. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? I'm not sure if it's necessarily advice, but a, a little bit. When I was starting to go through this transition away from a pure engineer towards something that was more technical sales, I was struggling. I felt like I was not being true to myself, to my degree. And I had this inverse aha moment of, oh my gosh, what if I'm not going to be an engineer? And I had a friend look at me funny and he said, Dana, you are an engineer. You have a degree. It's who you are and it's what you know. And I stopped to think about that. You know, he's right. Everything I've learned, the way I approach problems, the way that I see the world is through the eyes of an engineer. And nobody can take that degree away. Nobody can take the way that I solve problems away. Nobody can take the way I approach any of that away. So I will always be an engineer. And what is a personal habit that contributes to your success? I am old school. I write everything down on paper lists. I have tried other apps for stuff like that, and I'm awful with it. There's something so gratifying about taking that pen and crossing something off your to-do list. And what is a favorite internet resource or phone app and why? I promise this was not planned. My favorite app is Audible. I am an audiobook junkie. I love popping it. I'm not going to say popping it in. I'm going to completely date myself. It's not a cassette. These are not 8-track cassettes, <laughs> They <Dana>. are not. <laughs> but pulling it up on my phone and plugging it into, you know, the little cord thingy in my car so I can listen to, you know, whatever audiobook. And usually I do for audiobooks, I, I don't do fun. I do business minded, strategic mind, something like that. That's a little more about personal development. So on my way to work, on my way home, I can get that, let's call it professional development through an audiobook. Yes, yeah, Nation, there's a lot of time if you actually were to write down what you do on a day to day basis, especially out in the real world when you're working, there's a lot of time where you're just wasting time. And I'm with Dana here. I'm listening to audiobooks or podcasts, and a lot of it in a self development area, but you can also listen to fun books as well. But try not to waste the time out there. And Dana, so speaking of Audible and books, what would be one book you would recommend and why? One of my all time favorites is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and that's by Patrick Lencioni. I think there's more than five dysfunctions in a team, isn't there? <laughs> there? There might be, but he summarized that into five, and you could probably find a way to catch most of them in those five. Uh, it's a business fable, so it's got a story with a lesson to it, you know, like fables you read as a kid, which makes it a lot more interesting to read. It's a quick read. It's an easy read, and it talks a lot about one of my favorite parts of it is about conflict and that strong teams have to have conflict. It doesn't mean that you handle the conflict improperly or disrespectfully, but you have to allow people to talk about the differences of opinions. That's something in your career, in your personal life, you have to embrace. That one nugget, I, it's not the spoiler alert, I promise, that's not the end-all be-all of the book, but that nugget has carried into all aspects of my life, and I think that's probably why it rises to the top of my list. All right, Dana, and as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation, and then we will say goodbye. Absolutely. So I think I might be the poster child for stay flexible in your career and know that you can pivot, you can change directions, keep your seatbelt on, enjoy the ride, and know that if you enjoy solving problems, there's probably an area of engineering for you to 
dabble in and have a great time doing. All right. Thanks, Dana. And with that, we will say goodbye. All right. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Dana. Head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And again, if you're getting value from this podcast, please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with John, who is an electrical and software engineer. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.